Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, Oma? <laughs> what, what up, dude? What up, player? How, how you doing, man? We're back. We're doing fantastic, back, man. man. This is our first episode since our meeting. Yeah. Finally, yeah, face to face at the Truth Matters Conference at Grace Church. Yeah, what, how, three how, weeks ago. Has it been three weeks already? It's, it's been, been about three, yeah, weeks. It's been three weeks. So let me let me. Do you feel different, man, coming back on after having met live, man? I do, man. Having met live, having done okay. a live episode, having done a live episode in front of a live packed house. It was a packed house, no doubt. Yeah, I feel like we should have like sponsors now, like we should do commercials <laughs> and. You know, this episode brought to you by right, right. You know, whatever, it, whatever brand, right, right, right. Yeah, whatever, whatever brand, product. whatever ministry, right, whatever. It's it's not like I'm dropping hints or anything, but <laughs> I, I kind of am. <laughs> right, right, right. Man, it was such a great time, man. Being with you, your lovely bride, uh, getting a chance to man just connect with y'all and and. Uh, I knew it would be awesome. I knew we'd have a great time, but it was such it, it's everything that our our listeners hear. We you and I have such a natural flow with each other. And uh it was so it was it was that way in person, man. I, I really uh really enjoyed spending time with you there and getting a chance to see your surroundings and grace to you and uh uh at, at Grace Community Church. And uh, man, it was they they rolled out the red carpet for us and uh it was a it was a great, great time, and I really enjoyed myself there. Well, we're glad to hear that. And I say we on behalf of everyone at Grace to you, everyone at Grace Community Church. And we really couldn't have done it without all the volunteers, hundreds, mm. literally, yeah. of volunteers yeah. who helped Grace to you pull off what we have heard from folks who attended the Truth Matters Conference was a just a fantastic three days for them. The hospitality yeah. that they it experienced blew them away. Chart. That was So I want to say a personal thank you to everyone who attended the conference, who came out, who traveled literally from all over the world to come out to Grace Church for three days to attend the Grace to You Truth Matters Conference. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, again, on behalf of everyone at Grace to You and everyone uh, at Grace Community Church, including John MacArthur. So thank Absolutely. you all for coming out. And Absolutely. thanks for, for coming that Wednesday night, right? The first night of the conference, opening night of the conference, yep. a packed house to hear you and I Talk mm-hmm. about black liberation theology yeah. up against the sufficiency yeah. of scripture. So yeah. we really appreciate because we knew going in right Omaha that the majority of folks, whoever would be in the room uh, to hear us do the live episode would probably mm-hmm. be for the most part, people who weren't familiar with us. They weren't familiar right. with the just thinking podcast. They had right. no clue who Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, Omaha are or were, right. and right. let alone the Hammond B3. I mean, right, right. <laughs> But man, we right. they they came out, bro, and they came out and, and heard us for what a little over an hour, a little over an hour. Yeah, yeah talk it, about uh, black liberation theology up against the the uh, theme of the conference, which was the sufficiency of scripture. Yeah, man, it, it was it was amazing uh, to be in that room to to see the folks, and and I, in fact, before we got started, I just asked you how many of you have heard the show before, and I'd say it was probably a seventy seventy uh, percent who had not, thirty percent who had. 
And mm-hmm. so the the majority of the of the crowd had not, like you said, had not heard of the Just Thinking or the podcast. And uh, man, before it was all said and done, it was it was a, the the response was was really amazing, incredibly humbling. Uh, the folks who had heard of the show and were were just man, I, you know, I, I almost hate to call them fans, but just the folks who love the show and who watch and yeah. or rather listen to the show, man, they were unbelievable. Man, we so enjoy uh, getting the chance to meet you guys in person and live and and hearing how the show has maybe blessed your ministry or helped to educate you in some way. Uh, I, I would say on behalf of Daryl and I both, man, it's incredibly humbling uh, to hear what God is doing, how God is using uh, this medium, this this method uh, of just getting information out uh, to, to really bless uh, other folks. Many other thoughts you had about that? Yeah, just lastly, I would say this. Uh, you know, when we launched the uh, Justin podcast back in December of 2017, Neither you nor I, and I would I would probably be right in speaking for Dwayne Atkinson as well, whose idea this all was. None of us thought that two years ago we would be where we are now. No, uh, approaching three hundred and fifty thousand downloads of uh, episodes. We've done ninety plus episodes now, and as a result, I think of those episodes combined with the opportunity we had to do a live episode at the truth matters conference. Mm-hmm. We've been getting requests to go on tour almost right. you know, people right. been asking us, Hey, if we, would you guys, are you guys coming to my state or, or, right. or, or my location or to my church? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just want to thank everyone because we wouldn't be here now at 90 something episodes. If it weren't for each and every one of you who listen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so thank you all for your prayers. You, you, our, our listeners are so loyal to us. They're so lo- mm-hmm. loyal. We, we can rely on them every episode to to take the time to listen what are not brief episodes. Okay? No, we no, do not, not have, this is not the traditional podcast. No. Uh, so our listeners are serious about God. They're serious about theology. They're serious mm-hmm. about uh, shaping and, 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 and looking at, the issues that uh, the church and, and we as individual Christians face in the world through mm-hmm. the lens of scripture. Uh, and, and we take our time to do that. And we're going to be doing that again today with, the, with the topic that we're going to be talking about today. So thank absolutely. you. Every last one of you, we appreciate you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, well said, well, we got a, we got a fresh one uh, today, man. I, I, I uh, as this topic, this subject rolled out, man, it was, it was kind of, jaw dropping it was kind of gripping to watch uh, this particular subject unfold in the in the newspapers um it, it's always one of those instances and and you and I both know having been at at the truth matters conference and hearing something live and then seeing it unfold in the pages of scripture whether it's a whether it's a, a comment by by John MacArthur that there's always a difference between what's happening in real life and how things get covered Right. Yeah. I mean, very I, good I, I point. Very good that. point. Yeah. So it's what these. This is one of those stories where there's there's probably a lot more that's actually happening beneath the headlines mm-hmm. that we don't get an opportunity to really understand because we're not, you know, we're not we're we're not first person uh, in in that place in that space uh, in that situation. And so even as we we read about this particular story, as as I'm kind of teasing it up, uh, we. Uh, it, there's there's so much more substance to it. Uh, there's so much more pieces of the puzzle to think about. Uh, we're going to go through the the topic in great detail in an effort to really kind of put some meat on the bones 
of of this this particular story that you read. And so I think I've, I've teased it up well enough, man. I, I thought I'd, I'm throwing you a good a good softball uh, your, your direction. So I'll let you kind of give maybe a the episode title and kind of unpack for them what the subject is uh, on on this particular recording. Well, I appreciate that, Omaha, because a softball, to use that sort of metaphor, that's the only thing soft about this topic that yeah. we're talking about today. Yeah. This is one of those topics we get multiple requests uh, all the time from listeners asking us to, hey, would you guys consider doing a, an episode on this topic right, or right. that topic? And this is one of those topics where we said, OK, well, we'll we'll think about it. We'll, we'll contemplate it and, and we'll chew it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and this topic here that we're dealing with today, we've, we've entitled this episode playing God mm-hmm. for a, a very, very serious reason, because there's a, a very sad, a very disheartening and dangerous situation is currently developing in the state of Texas where 70 year old James younger, a biological male, in other words, a boy mm-hmm. finds himself at the center of a court battle that has not, that has received not only national, but global attention. Okay, global attention. Now, the genesis of this court case can be traced to James Younger's mother, Dr. Anne Georgulus. Now, her last name is spelled G-E-O-R-G-U-L-A-S, Georgulus. Mm-hmm. Anne Georgulus, who, against the wishes of James's father, Jeffrey Younger, the now ex-husband of Anne Georgulus, wants to give seven-year-old James puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones in order to chemically castrate the boy as she believes James to actually be a girl Mm -hmm. solely on the basis that the boy is fond of the 2013 Disney princess movie frozen. Now you heard that correctly. Mm -hmm. That is her sole reason because the boy has a fondness for the Disney film frozen. Now, to give you an idea of how popular the movie Frozen was, and I believe a a sequel to the 2013 film called Frozen 2 is scheduled for release on November 22nd of this year, 2019. To give you an idea of how popular that film was in 2013, the original film earned more than $400 million in North America and nearly $900 million in other countries for a total gross of $1.3 billion dollars worldwide that's billion with a b so based on gross revenue alone it's pretty safe to say that the film frozen was a huge blockbuster okay mm-hmm. but if subjecting seven-year-old james younger to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone therapy were not evil enough in and of itself dr angie Orgulis is also asking the courts to rule that the boy's father jeffrey younger be completely forbidden from calling his son James, which is his given and legal name, James. And conversely, that Jeffrey Younger be prohibited from bringing James around people who do not, quote unquote, affirm the boy as a, quote unquote, girl. Mm-hmm. OK, now, by the way, Dr. Georgulis also was demanding that instead of calling the boy by his given name, James, that he instead be called by the name Luna. L-U-N-A. Now, just as an aside, the word Luna is is Latin for moon. Okay. Now, initially, a Dallas, Texas jury ruled that Jeffrey Younger, again, the boy's father, Jeffrey Younger, could not 
legally prevent the boy's mother, Dr. Angie Orgulis, from subjecting James, who I will mention again, is only seven years old, to puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone therapy. So the court initially ruled that the father could not prevent the mother from doing that. But on October 24th, following a huge outcry, especially on social media, among whom was the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who announced on Twitter that the Texas Attorney General's office, as well as the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, would be investigating this situation. On October 24, 2019, Judge Kim Cooks, who was the presiding judge over this case, ruled that Jeffrey Younger, the father, and Dr. Angie Orgulis, the mother, will have joint conservatorship over James, which includes making joint medical decisions for the child. Uh Now, as an aside, for those who may be unaware of what cross-sex hormone therapy is, here is a definition from the website of the International Society for Sexual Medicine, uh, also known as the ISSM, the International Society for Sexual Medicine, defines cross-sex hormone therapy as thus, quote, cross-sex hormone therapy is a treatment used to help people with gender dysphoria transition from their biological gender to their desired gender. Hormones play an important role in a person's secondary sex characteristics, the physical aspects that make one a male or female. For example, androgens, such as testosterone, give men their facial hair, Adam's apple, deeper voice, and muscular build. And estrogens, such as estradiol, are behind the development of a woman's breasts, widened hips, and menstrual cycles. Men and women's bodies produce both androgens and estrogens, but in very different amounts. This is why testosterone is considered a male hormone and estrogen, a female hormone. By taking hormones associated with their desired gender, patients can develop some of their desired secondary sex characteristics, Mm -hmm. unquote. Now, that definition, again, was from the International Society for Sexual Medicine from their website, the ISSM website. Now, with that definition from the ISSM in mind, I have to say, Omaha, that I cannot imagine or begin to fathom what will be the sociological, psychological, or physiological ramifications and implications for this young boy's future no. if the demonic desires of his mother mm-hmm. are ultimately granted by the Texas courts. Yeah. Yes, I said demonic. Mm-hmm. What this boy's mother and I use the term mother quite hesitantly, what this boy's mother hopes to do to this young boy who has been created in the image of God is nothing short of satanic. Now, perhaps my couching what this woman desires to do in such graphic terms may come as a shock to some of our listeners. I hope not. But if so, It wouldn't surprise me, particularly given that many Christians today have all but rid themselves of any conviction concerning the reality of Satan or demons Mm -hmm. or even the concept of evil itself. Mm -hmm. Thinking those things to be nothing more than old fashioned made up fairy tale vernacular. But consider what the Apostle James writes in James chapter three, verses 13 through 15. James three, 
verses 13 through 15. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Mm. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Mm. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Now, I will remind our listeners that the epistle of James is addressed to the church. In other words, it is addressed to believers in Jesus Christ. It is not addressed to unbelievers. Okay, it is not addressed to unbelievers. That is to say, the behavioral and attitudinal characteristics that James denotes in the verses I just read, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogance, and lying against the truth are to be expected of unbelievers. Right. That is to say, in contrast to the good behavior and gentleness of wisdom, which James says is to be evident in believers in Jesus Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. So among the other prohibitions in that text that I just read, James is warning believers in the aforementioned passage against having what he calls selfish ambition. Okay, now I want to park there for a moment. In preparation for this episode, I thought long and hard about the significance of James's use of the term selfish ambition. Yeah. As, as I reflected on what could possibly be the motivating, be what mo- what is motivating this mother to pursue the destructive and ruinous path she has deliberately embarked upon regarding this young boy, James Younger. Right. Now, the phrase selfish ambition in James chapter 3, verse 14, is the Greek word erytheia. Erytheia. Erytheia is spelled E R I T H. E-I-A. Erethea is a feminine noun whose definition evokes images of a scrupulous politician who desires to put himself forward at the expense of the interests of his constituents, being motivated by his own self-centered ambition. Okay, let me say that again. Erethea in the Greek. Feminine noun, the definition of which evokes images of a scrupulous, crooked politician who desires to put himself forward at the expense of the interests of his constituents, being motivated by his own self-centered ambition. So that is the hermeneutical context in which we are addressing this topic today. Dr. Ange Yorglis is being driven by selfish ambition, the same selfish ambition that motivates and inspires crooked and deceitful politicians to pursue political office for their own personal benefit right right. it is that fact about dr georgilis that needs to be established at the outset of this discussion Mm -hmm. she is not doing this for the sake of or for the well-being of this young boy what she is endeavoring to do to him is all about her and what she wants right thoughts Omaha. This is a, an amazing story on a number of levels. And I, I want to start by by mentioning to our listeners something that you decided at the outset. This story is maybe a week and a half, two weeks old. And I, I remember when it first came out. I mean, the, the headlines were kind of racing across the front page of computer screens and however you know folks get their news these days. And I remember 
when it initially came out, you'd kind of you, you often will will identify something that you want us to talk about or discuss. You kind of flag it. Hey, keep your eye on this or you kind of tell me, hey, be watching for articles about this or related to this. It was interesting because with this one, while everyone was jumping on the story very, very quickly before all of the news and all the facts about yep. the story mm-hmm. came out, yep. you kind of put you kind of put us on pause. And, um, you know, as, as the as the, the headlines were hitting and and the, uh, you know, the, the jury or, or the uh, the uh, the judge was was making decisions about this rather than jumping quickly. You you kind of you you put us on a kind of a week or so's hiatus with regard mm-hmm. to the story mm-hmm. and said, hey, let's wait till some more of the of the issues come out. So I want to say that at the outset for our listeners, for the mere fact that I, I, I respect and appreciate that because more times than not. As we give news some time to unfold, more, more you know, more pieces of the puzzle, more aspects, a more fuller, a, a more full picture mm-hmm. uh, can be presented. And so, it, it's with that thoughtfulness uh, that that you've taken the time that we've decided, uh, you know, together to to take the time to walk through this. So, I, I just want to, I want our listeners to know that this wasn't something that we rushed into. This isn't something haphazard mm-hmm. in the way that you're thinking through this, but that we did take some time to to examine this, but. This is an amazing story on a number of levels, um, and 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 for me, when I think about uh, you know the, how amazing this is, the words um, the the two words that come to mind is amazingly depraved, right? Wow. That's kind of yeah. what that's kind of what I'm yeah. I'm thinking. This story exposes the level of amazing depravity that is currently evident in our culture, and I know we're going to walk through this carefully. Uh, and 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 more more importantly, we're going to walk through this biblically. However, it's, it's difficult in my mind not to see this as evidence of Romans chapter one verse twenty eight, where Scripture tells us it says this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. Now I know later on we're going to unpack a number of different texts of scripture, and 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 you're going to you're going to exegete those things for us. I just I could not help, even at the outset of the story, as I listened to it, for that for that text of scripture to automatically just pop into mind uh, at, at the at the outset. It's it's difficult regarding this story to determine if this mother is doing what she's doing simply to spite the father or if she truly believes the worldview that that as as you said is demonically influencing her current decisions mm-hmm. I'm, I'm i'm glad we're covering the story as sad as it is as i think many have seen the headlines to the story however far too few have actually walked through the details and i think it's good for us to do so uh, particularly with a focused biblical lens with this regard so while on the one hand it's sad to see this kind of thing going on it's a good thing that we have the opportunity to walk through Scripture and unpack for our listeners a biblical view by which to view these kinds of things. Lastly, I'll share this uh, in the opening is how crazy it is for a mother to demonstrate such a hatred for men and particularly her mm-hmm. own son that mm-hmm. she would be moved to such an action. However, in our our current man-hating culture, motivated by the demonic influence of feminism, we shouldn't be surprised to see more things like this, not only with this with regard to this particular story, but we'll see more things like this in the future. So this particular episode should be helpful to the listener, both in the short run and in the long term. 
Amen, Omaha. I really appreciate that term you use, man. Amazing depravity. Unbelievable. You know, a um, a passage of scripture that many of us are familiar with is Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Mm. Again, that was Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Mm. Now, that word gift, that phrase gift of in Hebrew is the word na chala, na chala. It is spelled N A C H A. L-A-H, Nachala. Nachala is a feminine noun that carries with it the idea of property that is inherited, such as a precious heirloom that one cherishes and commits himself to take care of because of the inherent or intrinsic value value the item holds simply by virtue of being what it innately is. Okay, now I want to repeat that definition because that definition here of gift of, that phrase gift of in the Hebrew, is going to set the context for everything else that we're going to talk about in this episode. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we know Psalm 127.3, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. That phrase gift of is the Hebrew word nachalah. Nachalah is a feminine noun that carries with it the idea of property that is inherited, such as a precious heirloom that one cherishes and commits to take care of because of the inherent or intrinsic value the item holds simply by virtue of being what it innately is. That is exactly why, for example, extremely rare works of art often sell for tens of millions of dollars at auction. You know, a case in point, Omaha, is something I read recently where a painting entitled Christ Mocked by a 13th century Italian painter by the name of Simabue. His name is spelled C-I-M-A-B-U-E. Simabue, C-I-M-A-B-U-E. Was, that painting was discovered only last month in the kitchen of a woman in France. Mm. And that painting, Christ Mocked, sold for a record $26 million. Okay? Wow. But, un- uh, you know, but unlike paintings... Okay. unlike paintings or any other material possession, children are not property in the sense that a mother or father can do with them anything that they please. Yeah, that's good. I mean, think about it, Omaha. The very term child abuse Mm -hmm. intrinsically declares that there are objective, moral and ethical boundaries within which a parent or guardian is expected to adhere and abide in the course of rearing the children who are under their care and supervision. Amen. That's good. Yep. That's why that term exists. Yep. Yep. That's why the term child abuse exists because you can't just do anything you want with a child. Right. But our society's problem, which interestingly is the same problem we have with Dr. Angie Orgulis, is that we don't view children as gifts of God, Mm -hmm. as image bearers of his who are to be cherished and protected and -hmm. regarded as being of infinitely more worth and value than any rare painting or family heirloom. That's good. Instead, all too often, we view the children God has gifted to us with being nothing more than property, Mm -hmm. objects, 
things to be done with whatever we may choose to do with them. Mm-hmm. Now, that kind of earthly, natural, and demonic wisdom, to quote from the passage I read earlier in James chapter 3, mm-hmm. is precisely why more than 60 million children have been aborted in America since 1973 under the guise of reproductive planning or Bro. women's health. Bro, come on, man. Come on, man. That's precisely the reason why. It's because we don't view those children as gifts of God. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. That's why we've murdered 60 million of them. And that's why many of those same women who've had these abortions boast and brag about having murdered their own children. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I digress. Mm -hmm. I'm about to get started here, bro. I I, I digress for a second. That children are a gift of of god that preposition of is huge that children are a gift of god implies that each of those boys and girls belong to him Mm -hmm. long before they ever belong to us absolutely in god's economy the genesis of a person's existence is not at birth or even at conception it is long before that in eternity that is why god could say to the prophet jeremiah in jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. That's Jeremiah 1.5. Now, that preposition before, that word before, which Jeremiah uses twice in that text that I just read, is the Hebrew word terem. Terem. T-E-R-E-M. Terem, when translated, means prior to before that or not yet so in jeremiah 1 5 god is is declaring to jeremiah that he chose him even while he was not yet born in other words prior to jeremiah's physical existence as a human being on this earth god as the text goes on to say in jeremiah 1 5 had already quote appointed him a prophet to the nations unquote So biblically speaking, each one of us exists in the mind of God before we ever begin to exist as human beings in this physical world. Yeah. That reality is why Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11, made her request to God, not to her husband Elkanah, to, quote, give your maid servant a son. Mm-hmm. Hannah went to God. She prayed to God. She petitioned God, not her husband. Hannah fully understood that it is God alone who either grants or denies a woman the ability to conceive and give birth to children. Now, we see instances of this throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis 29 with Leah and in Genesis 30 with Rachel, both of whom were barren and both of whom it is said in those respective texts that it was God who opened their womb. Mm -hmm. There is also Sarai in Genesis 16, who notwithstanding her encouraging her husband, Abram to have relations with her servant, Hagar, Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Mm -hmm. But the reason people like Jeremiah and Hannah and Leah and Rachel and Sarai are germane to the discussion we're having today about seven-year-old James Younger is that unlike those biblical characters, James's mother 
Dr. Angie Orgulis, instead of petitioning God, has pridefully exalted herself in the place of God. Come on, man. Come on, man. The fundamental reason you and I are even talking about this, Omaha, is because Angie Orgulis has convinced herself that she has the right, the power, and the autonomy merely by virtue that she is the boy's mother to trample over the Imago Dei, the image of God, in mm -hmm. which her son, a biological male, a boy, has been created by God himself. That mm -hmm. is the only reason we're discussing this matter today, because Georgulus thinks she is God. Mm -hmm. Now, there's that kind of prideful arrogance that Scripture warns us against in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, where Hannah, ironically, of whom I was just speaking a moment ago, says this, 1 Samuel 2, verse 3. Hannah says, Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. Actions are weighed. That is motives, intent. God weighs not only the actions, but the motive and intent behind them. Now, that we are to regard God as the author of all life brings to mind some very profound words from John Calvin in his Institutes of the Christian Religion in the chapter titled The Christian Life. Mm -hmm. Calvin wrote this in his Institutes. He said this, quote, The flesh must first of all, therefore, be reined in by means of this rule. All the good things which we have were created for us so that we might acknowledge the one who is their author Amen. and might celebrate his kindness with thanksgiving. Unquote. I'm going to repeat that again because Calvin absolutely nails yeah. it here. Yeah. Yeah. The flesh must first of all, therefore be reined in by means of this rule. All the good things which we have were created for us so that, we might acknowledge the one who is their author and might celebrate his kindness with thanksgiving. Now, this author of whom Calvin is speaking is, of course, none other than God himself. Amen. Now, Calvin goes on. He continues that thought by saying this, quote, We are meant, therefore, in handling God's gifts to remember always the principle that we are answerable for whatever the Lord has entrusted to us. Right. Moreover, we must be mindful of who it is who calls us to account, God no less. Just as he so strongly urges us to abstinence, sobriety, self-control, and moderation, so too he loathes all intemperance, pride, ostentation, and vanity. In his eyes, no stewardship is valid unless it conforms to this standard of love. Mm. Calvin says, we're meant, therefore, in handling God's gifts, including children, to remember always that we are answerable for whatever the Lord has entrusted to us. Yeah. Listen, Omaha, there is no way that anyone who has any modicum of sanity about them can argue that what this mother is attempting to do by having this seven-year-old boy, this seven-year-old image bearer of God, chemically castrated mm -hmm. solely to satiate her own demonic desires, no one 
who has any semblance of sanity about them can say that this is parenting by God's standard of love. No. What you got, Ben? Bro, this is this section that you just walked through. I want to I, I want to encourage our listeners to to stop, rewind back about ten minutes, and walk back through it because what what you've established uh, in the value of us as image bearers, uh, in and in the mind of God prior to our temporal existence. Uh, on the earth and 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 what that actually means from a standpoint of 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 how we uh have a responsibility uh i mean calvin ex- expressed it very clearly that we we have a responsibility that we're accountable to god for our actions uh with regard to those things that he entrusts to us those that and, and, and things people uh the, the children that are entrusted to us we we will give an account to god for those things that that's that section alone is is worth its weight uh, in in two things. One, the level of scripture. I, I as as you walk through it, and and I had a an idea of where you were going to go, but man, the 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 truth bombs that that exploded uh, during that section were absolutely huge. And so I just want to encourage our listeners to take the time to walk back through that line of reasoning and argumentation, because point by point by point. That's what we as believers need to be equipped with. We need to understand in an effort to deal with what we're going to encounter in the culture. That's that's absolutely uh, what what we're dealing with, what we're seeing in these news. This isn't going away. This isn't a, this isn't an issue that hey, this one judge, this one instance. Now tomorrow it's gone. We'll never see it again. We what you just laid out is something that every believer needs to be equipped to express in the culture where where they are at uh, at at home where they are at work where they are in school settings wherever they are they need to be equipped with being able to do that but in in summary man i've just written a few things just two thoughts i mean there's so many more thoughts that we could add but just for the sake of time two thoughts regarding what you shared in this section i often get the opportunity to teach cultural apologetics at my mm-hmm. church Mm-hmm. And the, it, it's a class uh, for for those who are interested in learning how to address cultural issues. And many of the topics are similar to the subjects that we actually cover on the show. And so some in the class, they find it difficult to follow lines of argumentation on such a wide range of subject matter. Right. But from from topics like abortion to same sex marriage to identity and gender and other related issues, it can become confusing for some people to wrap their minds around how to navigate a proper biblical response. And this subject in particular that we're covering tonight is no different, which is why it's important that, that we that we spend the time doing this and too that that our listeners, those who you know follow us, listen to us, listen to this and then share it with others. And so mm-hmm. as as I see it, there are two major issues at play and both of both of them you've covered already in what you shared. So I, I thought maybe I would in, in this section just amplify your thoughts. And by amplify I mean simplify those thoughts for those who may not have caught what you did in that section. <clears throat> the first issue as you mentioned is that uh, that the child is a gift of God, right? You appeal to the Imago Dei, the image of God in all of us. And as human beings, we possess God's image. And as such, we are, we are, we are, have, we have worth, dignity, value uh, that is intrinsic as a result of our being created in his image. Genesis 127 should drive all that we think about every other human being on the planet, regardless of their age, 
ethnicity, gender, background, or even the sin they commit against the holy God. And I, I know we'll cover this ground as we continue, so I won't belabor the point here. I'll only amplify it for our listeners. The first issue in this story and others like it is that this is an image of God issue. This Big is an Imago day issue. And mm-hmm. as such, this child born male should be treated as a male child with value, dignity, and worth rather than a byproduct of the whimsical and irrational emotion of a divorced parent. Amen. And, and in this instance, this is a parent who's obviously lost their mind. The, the, the second issue is this, and, and, and by far the driving factor that points us back again to Romans 1, 20 through 23, is that, when, is that, we, is that we love our sin. And when we love our sin, we desire to suppress the truth about God's righteous decree and replace him with ourselves. Wow. We then become our own God, or, or at least we think we're God, mm-hmm. so that we can accomplish what our depraved heart desires. This is the sin of autonomy found in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall. It's the same sin you mentioned earlier in your previous comments. You talked about the autonomy that, 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 uh, that this woman desires. In Genesis mm-hmm. 3, Eve thought that she could reason far better than what God's word had already declared. Seeing the fruit, and desiring to sin, she justified herself by saying that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and a desire to make one wise. And every time we desire to play God, the end result is our destruction. Wow. Omaha, I really appreciate everything you just said, bro, because you did. You nailed it. You laid it out in a much more simplified way than I said it. But again, this is what we do on the Just Thinking Podcast. Regular listeners know that context is huge here. Yeah, yeah. Context is huge. We don't just lay out an issue and start talking about it. You have to establish the context. And as you just reiterated, this all begins as an Imago Day issue. Absolutely. A- apart from Genesis 127, we have nothing to talk about. Right, right. Nothing to talk about. Right, absolutely. You know, it is clear to me, Omaha, that Angie Orgulis is not a believer. Not a believer at all. Now, I say that not on the basis of my own subjective opinion, but on the basis of the objective truth of God's word, such as what is written by the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. This is 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, that is the Holy Spirit, because his seed abides in him. And he cannot practice sin because he is born of God. Mm. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. So let me pause there before I finish verse 10. Essentially, what you have in this text is there are only two groups of people on this planet. Mm. They're the children of God and they're the children of the devil. Yep. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's two groups of people that inherit this planet. Mm -hmm. Children of God and children of the devil. Mm-hmm. Verse 10 and first John three verses nine and 10 verse 10 by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. That's good. Now I don't know how much more definitive you can get. Mm-mm. Now I'm sure 
someone listening to this is going to try to get more definitive than that, but you can't. Right. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Now, the operative phrase in that text that I just read in 1 John 3, verses 9 and 10, the operative phrase there is practices sin. Mm -hmm. Practices, that is, as a habitual way of life. Yes, every believer in Christ still sins, but no truly regenerate believer sins as a practice. Mm -hmm. Scripture declares unambiguously that anyone who does not practice righteousness is not a child of God, but in fact is a child of the devil. Mm-hmm. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Wait, oh wait, my bad, my bad. I forgot, I totally forgot that since we Christians no longer believe there is such a thing as a devil, hey, maybe I should just ask our boy Dwayne Atkinson to edit that part out that I just right, said. Right, 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 right. We don't believe that. We don't nah. believe in a devil anymore, so I probably should ask Dwayne to, to please edit that last couple of minutes out. Right, 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 wait, right. Let, wait, wait, nah, nah. On second thought, Dwayne, leave it in there, bro. Leave it in there. <laughs> Listen. Listen, the words I just read in First John chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, I didn't write them. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't write them. God wrote them by virtue of his Holy Spirit working through the Apostle John. But check this out. Jesus was even more blunt than that. Jesus was even more blunt than saying anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. In John 8, 44, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Yes. And you want to do the desires of of your father, who he just said is the devil. Jesus continues, he was a murderer, that is, the devil was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Mm-hmm. Listen, what Angiorgulus is attempting to do to this young boy, being motivated purely by selfish ambition and leveraging the, the judicial system in an effort to bring that ambition to its full consummation, is nothing short of satanic. Mm-hmm. It's like you just said earlier, Omar. She, she's insane. Yeah. She's crazy. Absolutely. She, Angie Orgulus is guilty of doing exactly what Jesus accused the Pharisees of, of doing the desires of her father, the devil. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I want to pause here for a moment because I have something I really need to say. Mm-hmm. I want to say something right here. Now, I am not naive to the fact that in this hashtag me too culture in which we find ourselves, there's perhaps someone listening to me right now who is thinking to themselves that I'm being too hard on Dr. Angie Right. That I'm being ungracious or unloving or unkind or unmerciful as if I committed the unpardonable sin of telling Dr. Georgulus to go home or something to that effect. <laughs> right, right. But it's to those people that I humbly direct these words from Charles Spurgeon. Mm. The great C.H. Spurgeon says this, quote, I have heard it sometimes said by wicked men when they would arraign the justice of the most high, that it is unjust that God should condemn men for the use of the powers which he himself has given them. Mm -hmm. This most subtle evil has often grieved the hearts of those who are weak and ignorant and have not seen its untruthfulness for to speak plainly of it is a gross lie. God does not condemn men for the use of the powers he has given them. 
He condemns them for the misuse of those powers, mm-hmm. not for employing them, but for employing them as they ought not to employ them, mm-hmm. not for thinking, not for speaking, not for doing, but for thinking, speaking, and doing, doing contrary to his law. Yeah. Spurgeon continues, God damns no man for the use of the powers which he hath given him. Let that be again repeated. But he doth condemn them for the abuse of those powers mm. and for their impudence in daring to turn those powers which he hath given them for his honor against his service and against his throne. Wow. That's powerful. that's powerful. Now, I'm going to ask our listeners to indulge me as I repeat that text, that quote rather, in its entirety, because I think it needs to be repeated. Yeah, that's good. This is Charles Spurgeon. He says, I've heard it sometimes said by wicked men when they would arraign the justice of the Most High, that it is unjust that God should condemn men for the use of the powers which he himself has given them. This most subtle evil has often grieved the hearts of those who are weak and ignorant and have not seen its untruthfulness. For to speak plainly of it, it is a gross lie. God does not condemn men for the use of the powers he has given them. He condemns them for the misuse of those powers, not for employing them, but for employing them as they ought not to employ them, not for thinking, not for speaking, not for doing, but for thinking, speaking, and doing contrary to his law. God damns no man for the use of the powers which he hath given him. Let that be again repeated. But he does condemn them for the abuse of those powers and for their impudence in daring to turn those powers which God has given them for his honor against his service and against his throne. Mm. Now, I hope having read that twice, that that is resonating with our listeners. Yeah. Because I want them to understand that it is the blatant and deliberate misuse of her God-given powers as mother to James Younger that Dr. Angie Orglis is guilty of. Yes. So, no, I want to say this again to the hashtag MeTooers out there. I'm not being too hard on her. In fact, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. As a follower of Christ, I'm doing precisely what the Apostle Paul says all believers should do. Mm-hmm. I get that from what he says, what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Ephesians 5, 11. Paul writes, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Mm. So, no, I'm not being too hard on Angiorgalus. If what this so-called mother is attempting to do by having this young boy chemically castrated, is not an egregious example of the unfruitful deeds of darkness that Paul just talked about in Ephesians 5.11, then I don't know what is. Mm. In fact, the more I reflect on the level of depravity, and you mentioned earlier, amazing depravity, Omaha, the more I reflect on the level of amazing depravity that would inspire and motivate someone, let alone a parent. Right, right. Do such a thing as what Angie Orglis is doing, the more I'm reminded of the reality of these sobering words from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. The hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. That's Ecclesiastes 9, 3. The hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout Mm -hmm. their lives. 
Now, when you stop, when you stop and think about it, Omaha, that verse, Ecclesiastes 9.3, makes perfect sense when held up against the man-centered logic of the 20th century Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Carl Gustav Jung. Hmm. L-J-U-N-G. Carl Jung, who, by the way, was heavily influenced by the worldview of Sigmund Freud, said this. Carl Jung said this, quote, the pendulum of the human mind alternates between sense and nonsense, <laughs> not between right and wrong. <laughs> that was wow. Carl Gustav Jung. Again, mm-hmm. Jung was heavily, in, he was mentored by Sigmund Freud. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read that quote again. Carl Jung said this, quote, the pendulum of the human mind alternates between sense and nonsense, not between right and wrong. Okay. Now that's exactly the problem humanity has faced since the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Thinking in terms of sense and nonsense, as opposed to thinking in terms of right and wrong. Right. Right. By the way, that word is insanity in Ecclesiastes 9.3 literally translates to mean madness in mm-hmm. the original Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that word insanity in Ecclesiastes 9.3 literally translates in the Hebrew as madness. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're dealing with in this situation, Omaha. Madness. Mm-hmm. This situation with James Younger is more evidence of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 128, which you alluded to earlier. Paul writes in Romans 128, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Mm. That must be said that included in that plural pronoun they, whom Paul says have been given over to, uh, given over by God to a depraved mind, included in that plural pronoun are people just like Dr. Ann Georgilis. Thoughts on all? I think, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the last thing you said about um, the, the insanity, the madness, the fact that we've been given over to a depraved mind. It, it, it's, it's, it's magnified in the culture right now, and it is. That text of Scripture expressed God's judgment. I mean, yes. this is what we're seeing, what we're witnessing in this story, in the court systems and the like are evidence of God's judgment on the culture. So we've got to keep that in mind that we've been given over. We we, we God in every way, shape or form showed us his 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 who he was, how we could access him, what he what he what he deserved as a result of him being the creator and, and having created us as creature. We've we've decided not to acknowledge him, to ignore him, to indulge our mm-hmm. depravity to the degree that he gives us over to a depraved mind. That's a part of God's judgment. And this is depravity. This is depravity on a whole nother level. Right. And while chemical castration uh, doesn't remove the genital organs. It significantly impacts the child as he grows into adulthood. And in adulthood, this kind of treatment can have a tr- tremendous uh, physiological, psychological, and long-lasting effects that can be irreversible. Now, perhaps to some, this doesn't sound as draconian as as genital mutilation, that the kind that takes place in Muslim countries to prepubescent girls. However, this kind of thing is equally damaging as the effects are suffered long 
after the event has taken place. And this is to the point you made earlier, this you, you use the word insanity in the Hebrew, which literally means madness. I, I had to I had to reuse the word. This is absolute Mm-hmm. madness. Mm-hmm. And and for us to read an article like this regarding a child and not experience a full tilt alarm should be problematic. The fact that we that this is that this is normative, that this is kind of uh, you know, oh there's another story like that or there's this is kind of the way of the world. This is mind blowing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, we uh, th- that we could live in a country where what is called justice was initially adjudicated by a judge by allowing the mother to to take the steps to damage her child in this manner is unbelievable. And all because and all because she the son liked the movie. Right. That's it. <laughs> the movie. Now, now let me let me let me interject real quick, Omaha. Here, I, I know you. I, I'm, I'm going to do like Kanye. I'm going to let you finish, but <laughs> right. I need to say this real. I need to say this real quick. So you're going to interject that and we're going to have to go on a whole nother topic, man, just based on <laughs> the fact that you that you alluded to Kanye. <laughs> the film made almost one and a half billion dollars. That's right. Now, when a, when, a, when a Disney film makes that much money, it had to have appealed to more than just little James Younger. Right, right. There were probably thousands of boys who saw that film. Right, right. Thousands. There'll be enough thousands more boys that will see the sequel, Frozen Two, when it opens later this month. Mm-hmm. And yet, this woman, on that rationale alone, that this boy has an affinity for the film, a, an imaginary film. Well, he must be a girl. Mm-hmm. Must be a girl. Oh well. Yeah. Let's let's make him a girl. It's insane. It's, it's mad- insane. It's madness. That's absolute. Madness. Here, here was a, a, a thought that I had, man, I, and I, I haven't seen this. Maybe, maybe I'm off. But where, where are the social justicians on this? Man, wait, hold it. Cue the mascot. <laughs> Cue the mascot on that one, bro. Where, where? Oh, 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 oh. Yes, sir. Did you actually go there? I yes, did. Man. Oh, I got, I got, I got, I got oh, some more too, bro. <laughs> Omaha, that question was so nice. You're going to have to ask it twice. (laughs) Where are the social justicians on Mm -mm. this issue? Why weren't they the first to advocate for this issue where a child is suffering such degrading oppression by his own mother? I, I can't believe it. That, where, where are they at? I, can I, I can I answer that? Can I dare to answer that question? Yeah. Because James Younger is not black. Gosh. His this, melanin. His melanin is not brown. It's not dark. I, th- this 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 should show us how how ridiculous how, how broken that worldview is. How exactly? How how, how broken that worldview is? How inconsistent that worldview is it's it's just i mean you you and i you and i covered it at uh at at the truth matters conference i mean mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh the, the issue of black liberation theology and the lens by which it it views and it, its hermeneutic is is imported on top of scripture on the basis of one's experience right the the oppression oppressor motifs 
This is this is a prime example of of one being oppressed and and an oppressor unfortunately being his own mother. And this has diabolical impact. They should be this should be the five alarm fire that they race to if their worldview were consistent. Bruh, man, that was some Hammond B three stuff. If I'd ever heard it, can you imagine? So. So the, the the social justicians aren't rallying to this cause because James Younger isn't black, right? But can you imagine if James Younger was black and his mother, Doctor Georgilis, was white? Ah, oh, wait. To, to, to cue up, can somebody cue up the mascot, please? Dude, bruh, it would, it would be, be bruh, it would be Ferguson, Missouri, all over again, right? It For, would be bro, can you imagine that? No. The social justices, the woke evangelicals would be all over this. Yes. If little yes. James Younger was black and the mother was white and trying to do this to him. It would be a rap. Bro. It would be a rap. Here, here's here's what I know. I'll 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 render this and let and, and toss it back to you. Here's what I know. We should all we should all be heartbroken over this. At the same time, we should recognize that this issue is not going away. This will not be the last time in a culture that applauds what I call fourth wave feminism, where they where they advocate for the complete destruction of men at the top of their agenda. This is not the last time that we will see this kind of thing happening. It will happen again. We will see it again. And 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 you know, we need to be prepared and equipped to address the issue. I totally agree. You know, Omaha, there's a word for those who share the worldview of Angiorgulus. That word is called paganism. Mm-hmm. Paganism. Now, the word paganism is derived from the Latin word paganus, P-A-G-A-N-U-S, paganus, meaning of the earth. Now, I mentioned that as a preface to something I want to share from a book written by Dr. Peter Jones. I came across Dr. Peter Jones through a teaching series that he did uh, for Ligonier. Uh, matter of fact, that teaching series is available on the Ligonier uh, website. If you want to go to Ligonier.org and then just search Dr. Peter Jones. Uh, but Dr. Jones wrote a book entitled The Other Worldview, Exposing Christianity's Greatest Threat. OK, now I want to quote Dr. Jones in an effort to help our listeners understand that there is much more going on here than just a legal battle in which James Younger and his father, Jeffrey, are engaged with Dr. Angie Orgas. It's mm-hmm. like you said earlier, Omaha, this, this will not be the last time we have to deal with a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Dr. Jones writes in his book, The Other World View, in the chapter entitled A Cosmology of Radical Egalitarianism, Dr. Jones writes this, quote, In the contemporary push for a classless egalitarian society in which all privilege must be cast aside, gender distinction is the final bulwark of the difference and thus must be eradicated. Okay, I'm going to continue this quote in just a second, but I need to repeat that. Dr. Jones says gender distinction is the final bulwark of difference and thus must be eradicated eradicated. So that is the goal in order to bring about, to bring to fruition this classless egalitarian society. Dr. Jones continues, first presented as a civil rights issue, this seemingly noble request 
hid the intent to challenge and change the presumption of heteronormativity and thus to redefine the very notion of sexuality for everyone. This sexual agenda is an essential element of an apocalyptic transformation of human society and a utopian remaking of human identity in which binary distinctions have been eliminated. Wow. wow. Now by binary distinctions, he means male and female distinctions. Yeah. yeah. Human identity in which binary distinctions have been eliminated and in which all sexual expressions are normal. We cannot see into the future to know if the agenda will succeed, but we need to face squarely the movement that is attempting to wrest our culture from its tenuous grip on twoist principles. Let me stop there for a second. Mm-hmm. Twoist. Dr. Jones uses a, a phrase called a word called twoist. That's T W O I S T. Twoist. When he says twoist principles, he's talking about different principles based on male-female difference, the the principle of male-female distinction, okay? Binary expression. Right, binary distinctions, correct. Mm -hmm. So Joe says, we cannot see into the future to know if the agenda will succeed, but we need to face squarely the movement that is attempting to wrest our culture from its tenuous grip on twoist principles. Mm -hmm. At this point, Jones says, such a powerful cosmology takes on an unmistakably religious character. Mm. One is reminded of the goal of the occult hermetic order of the golden dawn. Okay, so there was a cult by the name of hermetic order of the golden dawn. And Jones notes that their motto stated, quote, the great work is before all things, the creation of man by himself. That is to say, the full and entire conquest of his faculties and his future. It is especially the perfect emancipation of his will. Unquote. Do not miss that, listeners. No, that's okay. Huge. The overarching goal of this whole movement, as Jones points out, is the same as the occultic hermetic order of the golden dawn, which says the ultimate objective is the perfect emancipation of man's will. And with those words from Dr. Peter Jones, you essentially have paganism defined in a nutshell. Paganism is the perfect emancipation of man's will from God's will. Thoughts on Mahal? A lot of thoughts, man. First of all, that quote is is powerful. I had not uh, been exposed to the other worldview exposing Christianity's greatest threat. So I'm definitely, uh, as soon as we get done, going to have to go and and do do some research on that one and uh, and un- unpack that that and and uh, and the chat. You said the chapter is entitled "A Cosmology of Radical Egalitarianism." That's correct. One of, the, one of the things that struck me about this quote in particular uh, that you shared is, and, and I'm just kind of reacting to it on the fly, is um, is is the is where you talked about it being an unmistakably religious, having an unmistakably religious character. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we are creatures, right, and we are going to worship someone. Um, either we're going to worship the one true God, the sovereign over all the universe, or we're going to turn our 
tent order and ultimately to ourselves. That's what Romans chapter one is all about. Mm-hmm. And and what we're seeing played out on in 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 the pages of, of, of newspaper clippings on the on the the Facebook feed is a is there is a a march and an effort toward a religious order. This is the Amen. worship of self yep. on such a high level. It is unbelievable and it should be for the Christian unmistakable unmistakable we sh- and I-, I love what you said the the occult her- hermetic order of yeah. the golden dawn and, mm-hmm. and 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 it stated the great work is before all things the creation of man by himself that is to say the full and entire conquest of his faculties and his future uh, it says it is especially the perfect emancipation of his will. This is every look. This should scream Genesis chapter three. Bingo. Exactly right. Exactly right, bro. This should hey. scream that that that's a, that. Uh, here's the crazy part about that. This religion isn't new religion. Man, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold it. I need the Hammond B3 right here. <laughs> Cue up the mascot. <laughs> Cue the mascot right here, because you are so right, bro. This isn't this isn't new. Like we think, what we're seeing and experiencing is a is a, some new expression. It's not. It goes back to the very beginning. This is the this is this is this is this is the serpent beguiling Eve to tell her that she can be like God. Man, that's, that's exactly what this is. Keep and going, we, bro. You on fire right now. Keep going. <laughs> As belie- and I ain't even got to my notes. I didn't even got what I wrote down. <laughs> it, oh just, wow! This Keep is, going, bro. This is just where what we as believers need to know, need to understand, and be clear about. This, there's nothing new under the sun. Not a thing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. This is repackaged garbage. This is the same hot garbage that was that was spewed out by the serpent in Genesis three. We need to see that, know that for what it is. Here's here's the thing that I want to challenge believers to do though. We oftentimes come up with very simplistic, uh, rudimentary ways of addressing these issues. And, and that's why I love what you're exposing us to. Not only in your commentaries, we've walked through this, uh, this particular episode, but also with, with resources like the one you mentioned from Dr. Peter Jones. Because what it helps us to do, though, though the issue is simple and as old as, as the beginning of time, we need to have the understanding of what's taking place in the current vernacular, in the language of those who we're interacting with, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that we can address their. The, 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 the Bible tells us that we need to be prepared to always give a defense to anyone who asks us for the hope that we have, mm-hmm. to do so with gentleness and respect. And we've got to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves in our doing so. And by being wise, we need to know and understand. All of what we, we we did a whole show on nuance, right? And how, right. and you and I have talked about this at the same time. I mean, we I, I've read so much cone now. I'm, I'm sick of it coming out of my ears. People think he's so brilliant. The man was not brilliant. Mm-hmm. He used a lot of words and said absolutely nothing. Yep. And like so, James Brown, like James Brown would say, talking loud and saying nothing. Just talking loud. And saying nothing. Talking loud and saying nothing. Talking loud, saying nothing. We need to be aware of that and not be thrown off guard 
by what what those in this this woke culture, those who are in this intersectionality culture, those those who are in the critical race theory culture are going to throw at us. And in this instance, those who have a desire to emancipate man's will from God. Here are my notes briefly. Um, paganism. I completely agree with you. This is pagan and its origin. And, and, and again, I point all the way back to Genesis 3. It's important mm-hmm. uh, to note that, that Dr. Angiorgalus, uh, she will answer to a holy God for what she is intending to do to her son. Mm-hmm. And, and apart, apart from the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, she will give an account for this egregious level of vile depravity that is going on in her heart. I pray, I pray that she repents while she has time. You know, you mentioned uh, that she will give an account and she will. That's Romans 14, 12. Mm-hmm. For each person will give an account of himself to God. Mm-hmm. That's what Calvin, the Calvin quote I read earlier. That's what Calvin was, was reminding of, us of, of that reality. And that's the saddest aspect of this whole thing mm-hmm. is that in her ignorance, in her arrogant, prideful ignorance, she has no clue that right. she's going to give an account to a holy God Right. One day when she sees him alone face to face, you know, when you step back and consider objectively the various theological dimensions surrounding the situation involving James Younger, what you'll come to realize, at least I believe, is that the fundamental issue we're dealing with here has less to do with James Younger's specific situation and more to do with the broader question of to whom ultimately do children belong? That's good, man. That is good. Ultimately, to whom do children belong? Mm-hmm. Now, I want our listeners to consider the following passages of Scripture as they contemplate that question. To whom ultimately do children belong? Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of the Lord has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Remember him, that is, remember God, before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Amen. Acts chapter 17 verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and all things in it. We repeat that. (laughs) The God who made the world and all things in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, Mm -hmm. nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Amen. Lastly, James chapter one, verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Mm -hmm. Now, 
with those verses as background, I want to say a word to those who are listening who may be parent parents or guardians of children. Okay, this is specifically to you. If you're a parent or a guardian, your children are not your possessions to do with as you please or to experiment with as Dr. Angiorgulis is doing so as to realize or bring to fruition your own twisted and demonic worldview. In other words, your children are not property that you own. Mm -hmm. Your children belong to God who gave them to you. Your children are a presence in your life only because a sovereign and providential God chose to place them in your life. If you don't believe that, read Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Your children are only there because a sovereign and providential God chose to give them to you. You are not the one responsible for creating your children. God created them. I just read six verses that established that fact. As Eve said in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, when she conceived and gave birth to Cain, Eve said this, quote, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Yes. Genesis 4, 1. Even Eve knew that conception and birthing a child, conceiving and birthing a child wasn't up to her alone. She got pregnant and she conceived, gave birth with the help of the Lord. God in his sovereign and providential wisdom has gifted you mothers and fathers with the divine and very weighty privilege and responsibility of stewarding the lives of your children toward the primary goal of seeing to their spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. Because like you, your children will one day see God face to face. As I alluded to earlier in Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Your children are going to see God face to face one day. Mm-hmm. So your primary responsibility is to nurture their spiritual needs. As John MacArthur says in his book, The Fulfilled Family, John MacArthur writes this quote, parents, you cannot raise your children to be what they ought to be unless you help them realize that their most fundamental needs are spiritual. Yes. And unless you nurture your children accordingly, children have a heart problem. They are constitutionally sinful like their parents and like the rest of the Adamic race. They are fallen. Mm -hmm. What they need most are regenerate hearts. Mm -hmm. This is the most fundamental issue in parenting. Unquote. Amen. That was John MacArthur from his book, The Fulfilled Family. Thoughts on that, Omaha? A lot lot of thoughts about that. And I I think that that takes it from from a a topic or subject that that are on the pages of a newspaper to that which takes us home. And I I love, man, I love the word of God. I love hearing the word of God. Amen, brother. Amen. I I love hearing God's word speak to issues that we, we that we don't think about and 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 I'm thankful brother that you have the background that you do with the biblical counseling and can can apply uh particular verses of scripture to specific issues that we may not always relate uh to the in, in their right right framework I I love the fact that you asked us the question about you know who ultimately who do to whom do our children belong and then and then we've got a chance to listen to what scripture says about that. You and I have had conversation as you know and 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 I'll share a little bit of this with 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 our listeners as you know I'm 
man, I, I, I love my children. I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I want, I want the best for them. And as they navigate life and deal with issues of rebellion, some of those quotes that, that MacArthur had kind of specifically hit home that, that they, that children are constitutionally sinful, right? I mean, that, 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 that's all of our makeup, right? But, but in yep. children, you see this because they're, they're still dealing with who they're going to be and who they're going to follow and to whom are they going to bow the knee. And so any, anyone who has a child usually wants what's best for the child. And it's, it's in those rare instances that you find a mother or a father abusing a child. And when you do find abuse, it is the most, especially from a parent, mm-hmm. especially from a parent, it is the most vile and wicked kind of action that anyone can take, the abuse of a child. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more depraved that I can imagine. And as a father, I want what's best for my sons and my daughter. And you and I have had numerous conversations yeah. mm-hmm. offline about my desire for my kids and what I want to see happen to them and the challenges that, that we navigate. And, you know, we've talked about that one-on-one. So, you know, my heart on this particular uh, issue. And so I I want what's best for them. What I care about most for them is that they love and pursue God Amen. and that they honor him with whatever they choose to do with their lives. I'm not one of those hovering parents that's desiring to see them accomplish something that I left on the table and didn't finish. Mm-hmm. I just want wow. them. I just want them to love God and to honor, honor him in whatever work they choose to do. So, so when I read stories about sexual abuse of children, I am sickened mm-hmm. by the level of depravity that one would have to stoop to in order to abuse the innocence of a child in a, in a, in the space of sexuality mm-hmm. for a mother to take that depravity, a mother, a mother to take that depravity to the next step of changing the gender of a child, the, the level of mental, psychological, physiological, emotional, and spiritual damage that that causes a child Th- mm-hmm. that a child would then have to work through as a result of, of that kind of transformation is un imaginable. The least that should be done in this instance is, is that, that the mother should be dragged into a family court and tried for the, for the abuse of a child for even Amen. attempting to do that kind of thing. Amen. I, I totally agree. I totally agree, brother. Thanks for sharing your heart there, Omaha. I can hear it in your voice, man. You're, you're really passionate about this, as we all should be. You know, Scripture declares in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy one is understanding. Okay. Proverbs nine verses 10 and 11, but where's the wisdom in thinking that it should be right or lawful or permissible to forcibly permit a seven year old boy to be chemically castrated by his mother. This is exactly what you were just saying, Omaha. This is absolute insanity. This is the boy's mother. Right. Where is the wisdom in that? It's not wisdom. It's insanity. Just like we said earlier, and we saw that in the text I read earlier from Ecclesiastes chapter nine. This is absolute sanity. This is exactly what you said, Omaha, and referring back to Romans one. This is God's judgment mm-hmm. on our society. This is God's judgment. See, and, and let me let me uh, let me go off off my notes here for just a second. And I'm speaking to Christians here when I say this. When you look at Romans 9 and we look at the verse where it says God gave them over, we kind of think of God giving 
we, we think of God's judgment in, in only in apocalyptic terms, right, where un- right. unless we see meteors falling from the sky right. or the ground opening up and flames shooting up, we, we don't we don't we think of God's judgment strictly in, in those terms, mm-hmm. ignorantly, I might say, ignorantly mm-hmm. in those terms. But no, God is judging us right now right. by virtue of situations like this. This is insanity. See, when God gives you over to your own nature, you don't want this is what you get. Right. This is what you get insanity like this. You know, the topic we've been discussing in this episode of the Just Thinking podcast is but one in an increasing number of evidences that mankind does not fear God. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This is just one more example mm-hmm. of countless examples mm-hmm. that mankind does not fear God. That is what this all boils down to an utter absence within the heart of this boy's mother of any sense of fear or reverence for God. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11 reads this. It says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Yeah. So if if I could just paraphrase that for a second. See, our nature, we are so depraved. We are so amazingly depraved, as you said, Omaha, that because God doesn't strike us down with the proverbial lightning bolt, our dumb, ignorant, stupid hearts think we've gotten away with something and we could just do more of it. Absolutely. This is exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, is saying in verse chapter 8, verse 11. It says, because God doesn't strike us down with a bolt of lightning immediately, therefore our hearts are given to do even more evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I read that verse for the benefit of people like Dr. Angioglis. People who, in their arrogance, think they can play God by dismissing and violating his precepts with impunity. This is exactly what that verse is in Ecclesiastes 8.11 is saying. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. But I would call people who think they can get away with things like this, I will call their attention to the words of the psalmist in Psalm 50, verses 16 through 22. Listen to this. You guys think the psalms are all about rest and beauty and about, you know, being calm and how to deal with adversity, blah, blah, blah. Listen to Psalm, these words in Psalm 50, verses 16 through 22. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to tell me What right have you to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. This is God talking, folks. He says, you thought that I was just like you. I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, mm-hmm. or I will tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver. Now that's God talking in Psalm chapter 50, verses 16 through 22. Now, in verses 8 and 9 of Proverbs 31, we like to think of Proverbs 31, right, of the virtuous woman uh, mm-hmm. chapter, mm-hmm. the virtuous mm-hmm. woman proverb. 
But people, you need to read the entire chapter. <laughs> okay? Read mm-hmm. the entire chapter. Proverbs 31, this is King Lemuel who wrote this uh, chapter, by the way, who wrote this mm-hmm. proverb. King Lemuel says in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9, he says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the needy. Yeah. That's Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Now, before some of you woke evangelicals and social justiceians out there start misappropriating that text I just read as the Bible preaches social justice, I would advise you to slow your roll, okay? Slow your roll for a minute. <laughs> Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 has nothing at all to do with social justice. Mm-mm. It has to do with what we've been talking about from the very top of this episode. It has to do with the Imago Day yeah. and with believers in Christ pleading to those who are in positions of authority, such as magistrates and judges, yep. to render just, godly, and righteous decisions on behalf of every image bearer of God, regardless of your ethnicity, Mm -hmm. regardless of your socioeconomic station in life, Mm -hmm. but simply by virtue of the fact that you're an image bearer of God, but Mm -hmm. especially those who cannot defend themselves, such as the unfortunate, the afflicted, and the needy, as King Mm -hmm. Lemuel wrote in those verses that we just Mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with social justice. Mm -hmm. This is an Imago Dei issue, okay? James Younger deserves righteous treatment because he bears the image of God. Mm -hmm. Now, twice in that passage in Proverbs 31, King Lemuel exhorts the people to open your mouth. He says that twice. And that is exactly what we're doing in this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast. We are opening our mouths, not for the sake of pushing some twisted social justice narrative, but for the sake of the truth. And that truth is that Dr. Angie Orglis is playing God with the life of this young boy, a boy who was created in the image of the one true God. Amen. Close us out, Omaha. Yeah, this is this is uh, man. I'm so glad that we did this episode. Um, I mean, this is an important issue. As we've alluded to in our time together, this is not an issue that's going away. Uh, I, I know we've we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, through you know, next to 90 episodes, this is one that you'll need to reference uh, again and again because again, this issue isn't going away. I think you, I think you made the point really clear that this is an Imago Day uh, issue. I love the, the the verse that you closed out with Proverbs 31, 8, 9. We have to open our mouths uh, and speak on behalf of those who are unfortunate who who need to be who 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 can't uh, speak for themselves who can't care for themselves and again I, I love the fact that you said this is not a social justice issue this is a, this is a particular this particular verse of scripture was one that motivated me to go stand uh, in the front of a an abortion clinic and mm-hmm. to speak for 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 the unborn and um, you've been doing that for how many years now oh gosh seven eight years now so yep, see I, I mean th- this is this is what's what, what way before way before woke culture got to be as you know as as loud as it actually actually is I, I uh, verses like a pro or chapter books book chapter verses like proverbs 24 uh, 11 that tells us to to rescue those who are being taken away to death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter Th- there would be those who would try to misuse that verse to be some level of social justice uh, action and and what we're doing is we're we're, we're this is this is an imago day issue this isn't a, a a melanin issue 
<laughs> this isn't a, a press depressor issue. This is a this is an Imago Day issue. And uh what we've talked about in this episode all leans back into that. So I just want to encourage our listeners uh, who stuck with us for this lengthy uh, broadcast. You told them at the top we don't do we don't do those stereotypically short uh nope. No, that's not how we roll. That's not how we roll in the Just Thinking podcast. So if you're looking for those little bite-sized no, chicken, chicken nugget-sized no, episodes, this no, you no this to, is not it. You need to roll this off. This is not it. So listen, we're excited that you joined us. Uh, looking forward to when we connect next time. Thank you so much for, for listening to this particular broadcast. Tune in next time for another episode of the Just Thinking podcast. <laughs>